This is episode 29. In this episode, you'll meet Dr. Janet Brito, a sexual and reproductive health therapist. She shares her journey of growing up as a Latina in Chicago to opening her sex therapy center in Hawaii. Enjoy! Hello, hello, I'm Giselle Martin, and this is Relate and Elevate. Bienvenidos! It's a podcast where Latinx business owners share stories of cultural identity and entrepreneurship. I believe consumers want to support businesses they relate to because it gives them a sense of community. Also, join me on my business mindfulness series where I share business tips and activities that will help you grow and sustain your business. So please subscribe to Relate and Elevate to learn more about closing the cultural gaps in the marketplace. Thank you, everybody, for joining me on another episode of Relate and Elevate. And I'm very excited to be speaking with someone in a different time zone. (laughs) So, um, (laughs) well, I guess I don't want to say backwards time zone, but I guess I'm officially ahead of time than her, right? We're three hours apart. So you want to introduce yourself and tell me where you tell us where you are? Yeah, I'm Janet Brito and I'm based in Honolulu, Hawaii. So three hours ahead of you or three hours behind you. (laughs) And it's nice and um, hot over here during this hot summer. It's been very, very, very hot. Not a lot of breeze, but it's still still beautiful. Are you in the tropical weather, like humid hurricane weather or no? It's it's pretty humid lately. Oh, okay. I I live in on Oahu, so Honolulu, mm-hmm. and it's more city like. Mm-hmm. It's not as uh, rural or country as other parts of the island or, or other islands. Mm-hmm. So yeah, thank you. I'm so really excited nice. that you're sharing your story today. Um, before we get into your business and what you do, um, I like to get to know you personally a little bit better. So I'm going to ask you a few questions about yourself. What is your favorite food? Oh, my favorite food are my mom's uh, enchiladas. Ooh, what kind? <laughs> For sure. Oh, my gosh. And what, what is it inside? Because I love enchiladas. I know enchiladas. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's my favorite. Salsa verde. So green sauce. Mm-hmm. And queso fresco or queso chihuahua, crema. What is, what is queso chihuahua? I don't really know anybody from Chihuahua. It's very melt, melty. Like um, it's sort of like um, Munster, I guess. Or oh. oh okay. It has a very melting effect. Just oh. very. Um, so when you put it on top. You put it in the oven or the microwave, it just melts into the, the cheese melts and hugs the, the, the taco. <laughs> so enchiladas verdes de pollo estilo chihuahua, right? That's it. Um, no, el queso se llama queso chihuahua. Oh, el queso chihuahua. Y creo que es la, sí, no sé por qué le dicen así. I, I have no idea. But yeah. that's maybe the brand or, yeah. Oh, yeah. Every time I go to my mom's, uh, my parents' house, she welcomes me with enchiladas and then she'll make me sauce to go and I'll bring it with me to Hawaii (laughs) and when I'm really homesick or just want Mexican food I'll take the sauce out of the freezer and 
my partner will make it for me. Mm. <laughs> I don't like cooking. <laughs> that sounds yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So what's your favorite color? Oh, my favorite color these days? It's changed through the years. I think right now I really like turquoise like a, or some soothing blue. Me too. At one point I was into red. You like that color too? Well, turquoise is one of my brand colors. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> it's just very soothing and kind of calming yeah yeah la, la tranquilidad yeah yeah we have a lot in common yeah Enchiladas. <laughs> so far two for two okay <laughs> what's the most recent book you read <sighs> you know i want to sound cool and say that i've read books but um, <laughs> i i was trying to read a couple of books and one of them is uh, autobiogra autobiography from, uh, I think it's Brave in the Wilderness and Moraga, Sherry Moraga. Mm -hmm. And I, I got maybe like 10 pages in and it was a really good book. I rented from the library and uh, my email life and work life and um, business life takes over mm. from reading, from reading books. I, I, review articles for Healthline and I'm always reading these articles on sexual health. It's that, so I, I'm not as cool anymore. I'm walking around with my book. <laughs> I used to read so much more when I was in college and then when I didn't have the business, I just. Um, so now you're reading for work and not really yes. pleasure. Oh, really. Pretty much. Hmm. And I downloaded two audiobooks the other day. On, um, Leading from the Heart, is that what it's called from Brene Brown? It's about leadership, and it's there on the queue. So I thought maybe if I listen to it, it will be better. Maybe I can do that better than reading. Mm -hmm. But hasn't happened yet. Uh, <laughs> one day, well, one day. I'm reading, yeah, I'm reading like articles and journal articles and correspondence. <laughs> well, either way, you're still reading, so that's good. <laughs> yes. What's the last song you listened to? Oh, that was a habit I was trying to get into again, right? Because life took over, the business took over. Julieta Venegas. I love uh, Julieta Venegas. I've seen her like twice or three times. Yes. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I think in Arizona, soul sisters, you in Hawaii and me over here in the Bay Area. <laughs> it's incredible. Yes, it's very like I don't know, jovial. It 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 makes me feel good when I listen to her. Yeah. Yeah, I saw her when she was pregnant one time, and I had she was like really really pregnant, and I had just found out that I was pregnant. I was like maybe seven eight weeks pregnant, and. I enjoyed watching her and then her shaking her belly around and, and I was just like, oh my God, I'm not in that part of my pregnancy yet. Hold on. <laughs> but I enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, no, That's I love wonderful. her. And if you could meet one person, dead or alive, who would that be? Tina Turner. <laughs> I love Tina Turner. 
<laughs> since I was a kid. I, I would love to sit down with her and have a conversation. I, I just think she's a badass. Yeah. And I really would have liked to meet um, Maya Angelou. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. She just seems like so full of wisdom and like it would have been really a rich conversation. Yeah. 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 yeah I know what you mean. Like, like just want no, like, like want to catch every single word that she says. Cause yeah, it'd be amazing. Right. <sighs> okay. One more question. Tell us something that only a handful of people know about you. Oh, <laughs> Sometimes I can get really set in my ways, <laughs> probably um, maybe a little anal, like OCD about things, you know, it has to be just right. And probably my family would say that about me because, you know, I'm, I try to keep it contained. <laughs> I think it helps me, has helped me succeed so much, but sometimes it's also, um, it also gets me into trouble. <laughs> Mm. with my family members mm. right because I'm like these are the expectations I'm not sure what you missed here yes <laughs> this is basic 101 <laughs> be nice to me say thank you you're welcome <laughs> so I think I have sometimes very high expectations especially of the people closest to me and so I probably drive them nuts because I um I I want them to elevate with me yeah. and be on the same page. And I have to recognize that um, everybody has a different drive. So I have to step back and let them do their thing without me being so um, critical. Yes. I, I do the same thing. (laughs) You can relate. (laughs) Seriously. It's like my expectations are like zero to a thousand in five seconds. I'm like, what? Why can't you just do that? <laughs> Why isn't it obvious? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, okay, too. I think, yeah. <laughs> there's two. I'm liking that there's a lot of similarities here. <laughs> yeah, it's great. <laughs> okay. Let, um, uh, moving on to the topics at hand. <laughs> or else we, I think that we could probably talk like for the next five hours, right? About things going on in our lives. <laughs> um, Right. Okay, so let's move on to talking about cultural identity. How do you self-identify? I self-identify as from Chicago and who wants to be from Hawaii. (laughs) (laughs) I have lived in Hawaii for 20, almost 20 years. And when I moved here, I fell in love with the island. But I'm not Hawaiian Hmm. and I'm not local, which means I wasn't born in on the island (laughs) but I always you know when people and people know that I'm not from Hawaii because of my accent so I always say I want to I want to be from Hawaii but I'm originally from Chicago but Mm -hmm. for the most part I will always say I'm Mexican and my mom will say well okay I'm Mexican-American right because I was born in the United States but I will usually say I'm Mexican I don't say I'm Mexican-American Mm-hmm. I'm Mexican. So what does cultural identity mean to you? It's extremely important because of the, my found, it's the foundation for me as mm-hmm. far as the, the traditions that I was 
raised with um, not only um, spiritual but um, music and food and even certain beliefs mm. <laughs> about um, community and family and the we that we are in this together mm -hmm. uh, it's it's been a challenge with you know going being raised in the United States and having to be more individual while balancing my family and that conflict and then moving so far away and that guilt of being so far away from my family so it's definitely it's it's part of me I I, I can't it's it's a very important part of my life. Um, it's, I, I was raised Catholic, but I don't really practice that anymore. It it didn't feel it felt limiting to me, but I do believe in La Virgen de Guadalupe, <laughs> and so me I see too. her as a goddess. Really, yes. <laughs> I I I celebrate her as Tonantzin and La Virgen de Guadalupe. See, I, that's so great. Oh my God, we have to meet. In person. <laughs> well, I'm actually going to go to Hawaii for my sister's wedding in November, but I'm going to Maui. Oh. Yeah. We'll, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Enough about us. Enough about us. What, um, <laughs> what is your business? What, what do you do? You say that you read a lot of articles. That's all we know so far. So can you tell us? And and how how did it all come about? How how did you how did this turn into a business for you? Yeah, so I'm a clinical psychologist and a clinical social worker, and I specialize in sex therapy. So I uh, have a, a small a small little clinic in Honolulu, Hawaii, and we specialize in providing psychotherapy for individual adults, only adults, individuals and couples uh, who are dealing with their sexual health. Um, usually it's some type of challenge. So like a sexual health dysfunction or relationship conflict or identity, um, sometimes infertility, pain, you know, people not being able to relax or low sexual desire. So anything related with sex, we are providing a safe space for them to be able to come and talk about um, um, how it impacts their life because usually there's a lot of shame attached to it. So yeah, I have I a little. I was going to say, how easy or how difficult is it for people to come to your clinic to talk about that? Yeah, you know, that was part of the fear when I, so I, I, I went to a lot of school. <laughs> I did a lot of schooling and there was a lot of investment before I started the, the business in 2017 and of 2016. And I was afraid that nobody was in a call because it's such a taboo topic. And I was, I had to, I was in Hawaii, but then I had to leave to Minnesota and Arizona for the training and I was moving back and there was some comments like, well, I, you know, how are people going to find you or are they going to come to you? And it's a large Asian population. So similar to Latino, very, you know, as far as, most cultures that there's taboo around sex. Mm -hmm. So I was a little afraid that nobody was going to call. And then everybody started calling <laughs> because oh, nobody, yeah, it's, it's, it's awesome because there's a safe space for you to come up to talk about something that is very private for you. And 
unfortunately, most medical schools and psychology programs or therapy programs don't train you in sex therapy. So most therapists and medical professionals or healthcare professionals are uncomfortable talking about this subject. So if mm. your patient senses that you're uncomfortable, they're not going to tell you anything about their sexual health. Yeah. Besides nobody's asking them, how is your sexual health? Because so I don't know, a luxury or something. Nobody's like, oh, well, what's the big deal, right? That's like a pleasure thing. Um, well, so I feel nobody's like it's really important to our health. I feel like self- sex is really, really important to our health and also our, um, our relationship with ourselves and our relationships well, with, with our sexual partners. Absolutely. Oh, it's, 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 um, it's unbelievable. The relief when somebody has a safe space to share something that it's so private to them and that they haven't been able to share with anyone else. So it's been really, um, it's very fulfilling and rewarding for me to be able to have a space for people that are dealing with that. So you have a clinic in Honolulu. Do you see patients that don't live in Honolulu? I don't see patients outside of Honolulu. I only see people in, in the state of Hawaii. Um, no, it could be I see uh, people online if they're in the state of Hawaii because of my license. Oh, okay, okay. So, I see. Yeah. So in the state of Hawaii. In the future, I'm moving toward developing some an education program in order to train other therapists to provide sex therapy. And my dream is to do it with uh, Latinx um, therapists. Mm. So then they can start to ask their patients, you know, about their sexual health, which would be yes. awesome. <laughs> yes, definitely. So you said you read a lot of articles because um, you have to do commentary. Is that like a different part of your business or is that? what? Yeah, it's do? a different part of my business. I'm a medical reviewer for Healthline, which is like WebMD. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, they publish content constantly. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of articles. I've written some articles for them. And most of the time now I'm reviewing them. So people are writing an article about, how to have oral, how to prevent STIs, how to have a conversation about sex with your partner. It's a lot of these questions that people are typing in on Google mm-hmm. and fancy stuff. So SEO, whatever, and people are like, oh, this is what people want to know. Mm-hmm. And then somebody writes the article and then I review it and kind of fact check it or is this in line with the message that uh, is like a, a best practice message. So I review that and then I send it back to them and then they publish it. But I get to learn so much because it's, I stay current with um, the, the topics that are, people are looking up. So, so you said you wanted to, in the future, work with Latinx therapists. Do you work with any Latinx um clients right now or, or therapists or any in, anybody in the Latinx community? I had a few Latinx clients, maybe like one or two that speak Spanish. Mm-hmm. I live in a predominantly Asian community mm-hmm. and most people, there's a few, it's not a large community mm-hmm. in Hawaii. So I don't really get to um, 
yeah, I don't really get to have that community yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yet. Yeah. <laughs> right? As far as like, it would be amazing to, and most sex therapy trainings are pretty, most of the faculty and the trainers are pretty, are, most of them are white. There's mm-hmm. not, and most of my trainers and people that mentored me have been white. In fact, mm-hmm. I can't remember one, my ethnic minority person that I had as a teacher or so you're so, a Latinx sex therapist trained by a white sex, mainly white sex therapist who gives therapy to a mainly Asian community. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Which is I, really- I point this out because I think it's really important for people to see that um, this topic is very, very cross-cultural. Um, yeah. But there's also a necessity for... Um, to 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 be trained and to have a community of Latinx sex therapists is important to be able to break the barriers that are in the you know break the barriers of of talking about this topic in our Latinx communities. I think it's definitely a gap. I I mean, who I didn't grow up talking about sex. It. I mean, I don't know. You didn't yeah. if it was. <laughs> no. It was a bad thing. Like Sierra Las Piernas, you know, why is your legs open? You know, like you're just sitting mm-hmm. down, you're like a kid. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah. Something was like bad about even thinking about it because God would know that you were thinking about it and that would be a bad thing and you would yeah. go to hell or something. <laughs> and and I'm I'm a product of a teen pregnancy. So I it was made very, very clear to me a, a very, very young age that what my, bar- what my parents did was wrong or, you know, and mm. yeah, <laughs> but mm. that, that, that came with like extra issues that like I have dealt with uh, or, I, you know, uh, triggers that I had dealt with already that like I wasn't the bad thing, but in some people... Some people saw that what they did and having sex at such a young age and, you know, my mom was like in her, in high school still and, and things like that. Um, like mm-hmm. I found out that I took that on personally, but right now I'm, I'm okay. I'm good with that. But the fact of me knowing that at such a young age already put like, oh, sex is bad in my mind. Uh-huh. Right. And it becomes very internalized. Yeah. And right. And mm-hmm. then the shame that may follow or guilt or the secrets. It's, yeah. It's, and it's then with the body separate. shaming, along with the body shaming <laughs> too, that in you in your body, you use your body for sex. I'm like, if I already feel like this about sex and I already feel like this about my body, then like how... I, I just made a very, very uncomfortable situation for, yeah, for me growing up right. and explore and exploring that. Yeah. Right. And if you're exploring without being married to uh, being in a heterosexual partnership <laughs> for reproduction, yeah, it's not to explore your body or to have pleasure or have fun or to do this on your off time or because it feels good. <laughs> It's 
the, these messages are very ingrained. And yeah. anytime you go outside that, there's something has got to be wrong with you because you didn't follow this script. Yeah, you didn't follow what 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 the Catholic practices you know are telling you to follow you know follow so you're wrong so there's something wrong with you yeah right right and that's what got that's why I became a sex therapist that was it was part of my own personal journey and healing you know when I went to graduate school to become a social worker and I was working with severely mentally ill population and I really enjoyed it it was fantastic it was one of my favorite jobs and then I was really struggling with my own sexual identity. I really um, couldn't identify. I couldn't choose a word. Do I want to say I'm gay? Am I, am I lesbian? Am I queer? Am I, what am I? I was really struggling because I didn't fit in with that little box of I'm going to have a boyfriend. And I really wanted a boyfriend with the three kids and we would all dress alike and it would be mm-hmm. like so cute and my family would welcome me. Yeah, I really, really desperately wanted to fit in to that mold. I really mm-hmm. wanted to have the husband, boyfriend with the three kids and the matching clothes. I, I so desperately wanted that for years because that's what I saw and that's what it meant to be good or mm-hmm. that I made it or that there's nothing wrong with me. Or accepted. <laughs> accepted. Mm-hmm. Yes, like I, I belong. I'm accepted mm-hmm. here. I'm not weird. I don't look different. And there's, I'm not defective because I was succeeding. And, you know, I always was in school and things were going really well. But I was, that was the part that was missing. I didn't have this damn boyfriend and I didn't want one. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't make sense of this for me. So I went to school. <laughs> I had finished my classes for my doctorate program and I was really struggling with my sexual identity. And I heard about this sexual health program at University of Michigan. And I decided to, I was living in Hawaii and I was commuting to Michigan for like a year and a half. Did you have your own private jet or something? (laughs) (laughs) And I had no trust fund. Oh man, <laughs> this was all on credit. I was like, I need. I, it was like um, an an impulse. Like I ha, I have to do this. I don't know why I have to do this. It'll make sense sometime in the future, maybe. But I need to do this. And that oh, was good it. for you. That's good. Good for listening to yourself. Really, that's good for you. Yeah, it was the best decision. It was that was in 2011. I didn't kick off the business 20, 2012 around that time until 2016, but I didn't know I was going to be a sex therapist. I was just going there for my own personal healing. And, you know, my, my parents live in Chicago, so I would go to Chicago and then they would drive me to Michigan and I got to spend time with them. And they knew my struggle. They, they had come around to accepting me, but I was still struggling. And after the program ended, I was, I was liberated. I was like, wait, 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 but no, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm actually okay. I can be who I am. And I remember my parents in the car with me, they were so relieved. They're like, thank God, because <laughs> I was in so much pain hmm. about my sexuality and thinking something was wrong with me. There had to be, because why wasn't I fitting this mold? So after that, 
that was like, you know what, I, I have to do this because I know other people have a lot of shame around their sexuality, whether it's their preferences or their identity or whatever. And I, I wanted to just give them a safe space that it doesn't, it can get better. It can get better. Things don't always have to stay that way. So mm. that became, was the beginning of what I have now. And now I'd like to take a little break. Susana Marquez is a licensed marriage and family therapist and a specialized maternal mental health clinician. Her services include therapy, support groups, workshops, and classes for women during pregnancy, postpartum, and parenthood, and more. Visit wellnessparalamama.com for resources and more information. So... You were commuting back and forth from Michigan and then you come back to Hawaii and you're like, okay, I'm going to do this. Like what now, now what, what did you do? Well, actually it wasn't just like that. So linear. I, once I finished the program, I still was trying to finish my doctorate in psychology, which involved my dissertation and so forth. So I, I still had to um, do my internship and then I did a postdoc at university of Minnesota, which was really laid cemented the foundation in sex therapy not 24 7 but every day and it was very intense so i really learned how to do the clinical the um, the clinical part not just Mm -hmm. i had the theory from university of michigan then i had the practicum in minnesota Mm -hmm. and then when we moved back to hawaii i was like okay i have it i have the foundation i have my license Mm -hmm. i have the knowledge i have the experience i can do this I can do this. This is what I've been working my whole life for. Now I have to just take the plunge and find a place. And it was very scary because I didn't know what I was doing. Mm. I, what I did was I listened to um, Selling the Couch. It's a podcast for therapists that are trying mm. to launch their business. There's therapists who give business ideas. And so I would listen to Selling the Couch couch and I'd watch YouTube videos as I'm moving back to Hawaii and we have no furniture here and in this apartment. And so I'm teaching myself because I was like, why didn't I go to business school? Who do I ask? I didn't have a mentor. I, I didn't have anybody to ask. I just sort of figured it out and I would choose the podcast that with the lesson I needed to learn. Yeah. And then I would implement it. Mm-hmm. I'm very proud of myself. I, I'm like so proud of, of you. <laughs> it's, so, you're, it's so inspiring too. That's, it's, it's difficult to not know what you're doing, but know that you want to do something and then try to figure it out on your own. And then you're not knowing whether it's the right thing to do or not until you've like made a mistake or, or have found like, oh no, this is the right thing, you know? So that, that's the life of an entrepreneur is trying to figure it out. and. And specifically for these reasons are reasons why I try to put business resources out there for people and be like, hey, you're not alone. <laughs> you know, there's lots of different ways. Exactly. And it's podcasting very scary. is so scary. Yeah. Po- and, and listening to podcasts is, is one of the ways that you can get so many. Uh, I mean, you, you can learn so much by people's stories. That, and that's one of the reasons why I like for people to share their stories so other people can learn from it. But there's so many different podcasts. Like you listen to a, a podcast called um, Selling the Couch and that had to do with therapists, you know, like I've never even heard of that. But 
I'm pretty sure if I was looking for (laughs) something like that, I would search it up, you know? A lot of people wouldn't even think about that, but there's so many podcasts out there of everything and anything that are so helpful too. Yeah. it was so helpful and there you know it doesn't have it was like maybe 30 minutes you know Mm -hmm. it's just just the right amount of information that I needed to kind of take action and then I then I got a um, business coach Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. like four to six sessions because I was so scared of this idea that if I started the business nobody was going to call and then I was going to fail and it was very dramatic Mm -hmm. and I really needed with some perspective on this so the coach really helped me to kind of manage those fears and focus on my message what is your message and that has really helped me because the message then became greater than the fear Mm -hmm. if I don't provide this message then other people will but in a different way that I'm not going to like so I'm going to choose to put my message out there that is a more sex positive message which is Mm -hmm. my, my mission And your message is all about communicating to your customers or potential customers and communicating with your customers is all marketing. That's what it is. Marketing is communicating and it seems so simple, but it could be so, it it could, it can be so difficult, but I think that we think that it's more difficult than what it really is. Yeah. I think because of the fear. Mm Mm-hmm. I think the fear, I I remember when I sent out my first newsletter, when I was doing the announcements that, that I would, that I had, I was starting the practice. Mm -hmm. I felt so sick. I, I was going to vomit. I, the, the Mm -hmm. nausea, like my stomach, I was like, Oh my God, they're going to find out. I'm not the real thing. They're going to say, who do you think you are? Mm -hmm. Oh my God, this newsletter is ugly. The imposter syndrome. It was so dramatic. Mm-hmm. And I remember like, okay, I, you know, send it out. I was like, oh my God, I just was, it was, it was horrible. Mm-hmm. And I was like, just do it anyway. And the more that I did it, the less that became. Yeah, you become more comfortable. At least that's, it's been my experience. The more that I do things, the more comfortable that I get with it. I mean, like in the beginning when I started recording podcasts like this, I was like so afraid, like every little thing, every little noise was like, oh my God, it was, it was nerve wracking. Like you said, it was dramatic, but I was being dramatic in my own head. But now the more and more that I do this, the more comfortable I feel. And, and now I'm like, oh, I'm going to add this and I'm going to add that. Now I feel like an expert or professional, (laughs) you know? (laughs) That's fantastic. In my own way. But um, so you talked about listening to podcasting and um, but I I would like to know more about the technological tools that you use for your business. Like what is your favorite technological tool that you use? I, I really like, it sounds so simple, I guess. I really like Google Drive. I yeah. I was using, I was old school and I was using Word, you know, on my computer and then saving it. And then it was only the folder on my computer. And then somebody told me about Google Drive. And I was like, what the hell is that? I don't know what mm-hmm. Google Drive is. And they're like, oh, you can access it anywhere. You could share it. And I was like, mm-hmm. what? 
this is like too different. I was so used to Microsoft Word. That's all. Mm-hmm. I, that's what I used in college and grad school. There was like no other possibilities, right? Mm-hmm. And then I discovered that and I was like, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. I can just say, see it anywhere. And it's just, I don't have to have it here. And then I have an, I have an employee so we can share documents and mm-hmm. it's accessible right there and sheets. I just, mm-hmm. I'm learning. It was a learning curve because I've never used that system, but I really, 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 really like that. I really like that. Yeah. I like technology because I don't want to have paper. So um, mm-hmm. I have a paperless practice. Mm-hmm. And so I also have an um, electronic medical system. So I send my clients their intake in advance. Mm-hmm. And so they do it on the computer and then they send it back to us. So there's no, nobody has to print anything. So I take electronic their signatures. Yeah, electronic signature. They're writing their intake directly onto the portal. Don't have to look. Don't have to print it at all. And then I, we accept their copays using Ivy Pay, which is also they store their credit card on file, and I just have to click it. So there's no other machines I need. I just need my phone. I I want it to be as simple as possible where I don't have to store anything because I don't want to have file cabinets and then lock it and then what am I going to quit yeah Yeah. it's great and then you can pick up and go wherever (laughs) wherever that's what the drive does right you can see it anywhere yeah yeah I I love that paperless practice if only all the hospitals could be like that (laughs) okay that's a different topic (laughs) no okay stop okay (laughs) Okay. Uh, is there a business that you follow that you strive to be? You know, I was thinking about this. I think what's really helped me is um, the answer, the simple answer is no. I think what I've taken is from the businesses I've gone to and the employ, em, employers that I have had, mm-hmm. they've really taught me on how not some of them, how not to be mm. like, I don't want to be like this. I want it to be like this instead. Mm. I, I have, you know, my office is very um, therapeutic. The setting, the color is like a turquoise mm-hmm. and it's like designed and it's clean and there's plants. It's very soothing when you arrive. When I worked in community mental health, that's not how it was. You know, like it's it, like, yeah it's like you went to the goodwill or it's like pass me down it doesn't match and it's like kind of dirty and it just doesn't feel good so I was like when I have my place I'm going to make it look nice so it looks inviting and it's calming so you are a business idol for other practices uh, I think other businesses should strive to be like you because you think about your your patient and how you want them to feel when they're in your um, in your practice, and then everything is paperless, and you don't have to deal with all of these this paperwork. I mean, I, I just think about it like when I go to the doctor, it's like already awkward, and then all this paperwork thrown in your face just gives it like an extra level of like, I really don't want to do this. (laughs) Right. So I think that your paperless practice makes it easier for people to feel more comfortable because they could fill it out in their home where they feel comfortable on their own terms 
Yeah. So I, yeah. Right. So I think you are a business idol for other people. Yes, for sure. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) So do you have any advice for anyone who wants to start a culturally specific business or idea or, I mean, in your sense, I do think that sex therapy is a culture in itself within the, you know, therapy practice. Yeah, it's an, it's a niche market. So it's a specialized service. Instead of um, providing a general psychotherapy, it's specifically with sex like some people will do it with children or learning disorders or you know health psychology or people may do work with only business entrepreneurs there's um or you know adolescents i chose sex uh, sexual health with adults it's just my preference um i would say for anybody starting their business i would just say just do it take a little step um, don't wait till it's perfect or you have the right color and the right name and the perfect brand. And, you know, because I think that's what stops some people. It's like, well, it's not perfect yet. And then they keep adding it and then it just keeps like, getting prolonged because I, I think that's a block. There's some fear associated with it. So you're just like, just just take the, the first step because you you know what? You're probably going to have to change it anyway because you'll, once you're out there and learning and experiencing it, it you'll you'll modify it because it probably won't work, or you'll make it better, you know, or take this away or whatever. So I think the first step is just to get started and to take a like launch it. Just take that little step, a baby step will accumulate into a larger step, and then you'll eventually get there. Mm-hmm. Instead of you know trying to have all the steps in anticipation. It's, it's impossible, actually. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Nike had it right when it said, just do it. Exactly. <laughs> just do it. <laughs> just, just do it. It's so scary, though, too, like, to think about doing it because you're really putting yourself out there. But I have experienced that the more and more you put yourself out there, then the more confidence well, at least the more confidence that I've gained and then it kind of just like you said make it better then then once I have the confidence I'm like okay then I see the value in what I'm doing and like make it better make it better and then that then you see a response from people and then that gives you even more confidence so yeah mm-hmm. absolutely yeah that fear is that kind of I for me it was the exposure piece you know, once I exposing myself felt very terrifying. <coughs> Excuse me. I was just so scared that I would be judged negatively. Yeah. That was the narrative, right? They're going to judge me in a negative way. So, you know, I wasn't really thinking people are going to judge me in a positive way. I was only thinking they're going to think bad things about me. And that's, that's too global. It's not balanced. Hmm. What if they do think good things about you? Yeah, there's this um, woman I follow on Instagram. Her name is Michelle Poler. And she started this campaign of like 100 days of like fear or, or something like that, or doing things that fear you. Like, and she did it like 100 days in a row or something. But she started this whole slogan called, What's the best that could happen? 
So it's like shifting mm. the mindset of, for some reason, we automatically go think about the worst things that could happen. And the worst things that could happen are like the chances of those happening are like, <laughs> they're like never going to happen, right? Like, right. But it's about shifting our mindset to thinking about what's the best that could happen. And so I started doing things like that, like asking myself, okay, what's the worst thing that could happen? And then writing it down so that I could see it. Like, okay, these are the worst things that could happen. And then if I write down what's the best thing that could happen and start focusing on that, then that's what I manifest instead of focusing on the bad things and then creating that. I love that. What's the best thing that can happen? Mm-hmm. Instead of just what's the worst thing that can happen? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I'm going to have to follow this person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, but it, it, it's, it's basically what you just said, right? It's not letting our fears get in the way. Or, or I think what she says is embrace your fears. Like acknowledge you're afraid, but then do it anyway. Like, so the whole idea of being fearless is really not realistic because we have fears. So let's embrace them and, and do it anyway with our fear and be like, hey, fear, let's do this, <laughs> you know? Right, right. Come along. Yeah. I, exactly. I remember when I was doing my dissertation, which was a nightmare, so many times I wanted to give up and there was this the critical voice, the the fear part, and it was so mm-hmm. nagging. I'm like, okay, you know what? You want to be here? That's fine. Come sit down. Yeah. Sit right here. Okay. We'll be here together, okay? All right, great. <laughs> Let me get to work. <laughs> yeah. So if you had no constraints, would you start another business? Yes. What and, would it be? Well, I'm developing. I... Um, I am developing, we are developing with my, I I nicknamed her my angel, Vanessa, my angel. (laughs) She is helping me develop a program on um, providing sex therapy training. And it'll be, right now we're developing a hybrid program. So it's um, face-to-face and online. Mm -hmm. So we're going to have a pilot program, which I'm going to do with my um, current postdocs. And eventually, it'll go then online with some face-to-face portions, either through Zoom or maybe I can travel there. I don't know. Uh, I really want to. So in order to become a certified sex therapist, which is what I am, you have to take 150 hours of classes. Mm -hmm. They're made of, of clinical training and knowledge. And so I'm going to provide those classes, 150 hours. And I want to make it... um, like a Latinx sex therapy concentration. So mm-hmm. where it's focused toward um, Latinx um, therapists and they can do sex therapy with their clients. That's great. So all the therapists out there listening or future therapists, <laughs> contact Stay tuned. Dr. Janet, Dr. <laughs> Janet Brito. <laughs> yeah, it would, that's totally a dream coming true. And it's in the works. It's in the works. Yay. Yay. Yeah. That's so cool. So I, I'm I'm so happy everything that you're doing. I'm I'm really I, I admire everything that you've done, that, that you've shared, that you've been doing. 
even through your struggles, even traveling back and forth and like, you know, everything that you've done. And it all started because you listen to yourself and you're like, okay, I just, I have to do this. Hmm. And you trusted yourself and you said, even you said, oh, you didn't even know why <laughs> you needed to do mm -hmm. it. You did it. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. I trusted that even though people thought I was crazy because I was commuting and it was so expensive, but I trusted, I just trusted the process that somehow it made sense. I didn't know what, it meant then, but I just had to trust that it would be for the right reason. Mm. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for, thank you for what you're doing in Hawaii and pretty soon outside of Hawaii too. And if people want to read your articles, do you have do you have like a website um, for people who are not in Hawaii <laughs> and want to get information from you or things like that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. My website is sextherapyhawaii.com. Sex, S-E-X. Every time I say that word when I call somewhere, what's the name of your business? They're like, what? I'm like, sex. What? Sex. <laughs> sex. Sex. Okay. <laughs> sextherapyhawaii.com. That's how much people really don't talk about this. Exactly. Like, the word sex is, like, weird. What? Over the phone. But... Over the phone. What? I'm like sex, S-E-X, <laughs> sextherapyhawaii.com. And I recently added um, a media page. So a lot of the media contributions that I have um, given some, um, given my piece on it, they're on that page. And then I have an Instagram handle, is Dr. Janice Frito. And I have LinkedIn and Twitter. So and your Instagram is Dr. Janet um, Brito. And you, and you spell it D-R-G, no. D-R-J-A-N-E-T-B-R-I-T-O. Yes. It, it'll be in the, in the episode notes so people can go to your Instagram. Okay. Great. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed talking with you about this. It's my passion, so it gets me all excited. Yeah. <laughs> I want to just share my joy. Be you. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. And I... Yeah, and, and we can probably have more conversations in the future, too, about how it's going and your new project, your new business. Yeah, for sure. So we can figure, so we can see how it's going. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed talking with you and hope to see you again. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening to Relate and Elevate. Find me on Instagram at Giselle's World and on Facebook at GM Strategist. Make sure to visit my website, GiselleMartin.com and please, please rate, review and subscribe to this podcast. Hope you have an amazing day. Bye.